right. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. I am excited to be here with you guys today. I hope that you're excited to be here as well. Uh, if you have your Bibles, do me a favor, turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, also Matthew chapter 13. Those will be our two main passages of scripture that I want to share with you today. And that is the question, is Jesus enough? Just Jesus, not Jesus plus, right? Just is Jesus enough for you and I? The title of my message this morning is called Sleepwalkers and Sleep Talkers. And the reason for that is because I believe with my heart that in the church, and, and listen, when, when I say the church today, I'm not talking about another church, right? I, I'm not talking about the global church or the American church. I mean, yes, this applies to that. But today, I want to talk about this church. I want to talk about our church, New Life of Tooele. And, 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 and this is what I feel. I feel like in the church, there are sleepwalkers and sleep talkers. And what I mean by that is that there are people who are walking and talking and they look awake and alive, but the reality of it is, is they're asleep inside. That we've missed the reality of the mercies and the grace of God. That we've fallen asleep to the things of God. And the message today would be for us to wake up when, uh, when my uh, uh, wife and I, when we first got married... We uh, started to get to know each other. We started our life together. And as you, know, you do so, you get to know each other in ways that you may not have known each other before, right? Some of it good, most of it not so good, right? Like you, you get to know each other when you start to, start to move in and live with each other and start a life together. One of the things that we learned about each other is that our sleep habits were completely different, right? So, so at night, when it was time for bed, I'd go to bed and I'd fall asleep. Like I just lay my head on the pillow and I'd go to sleep. No problem, all right? My wife, it took her a lot more, right? Like, like, like she had to, it was like, it was time to go to war when it's time for her to go to bed, right? Like it took her a process, you know? There was, there was a, you know, it took her time to go to sleep. And, and, and for me, I just would go to sleep. And then when she, when she would finally go to sleep, uh, sometimes she would have a really restless night. And, and, and she would be, you know, dreaming or she'd be up and she'd have uh, all kinds of, you know, kind of a restlessness that would happen within her. So I'll never forget early in our marriage, uh, you know, I, we, we learned this <laughs> really well because it was late at night, middle of the night, and I was deep asleep, just dead asleep. I was in a, a dream-filled sleep. You know those kind of sleeps where you're like, you're just, you know, you're dreaming, you know, and you're like, you're, you're like the kind of dreams where you're like the, the captain of your own intergalactic spaceship, you know, saving the world from aliens, you know? Or maybe, yeah. <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe you're the sheriff, right? Like Lacey said she dreamed that I was a sheriff, and I think that's really cool. <laughs> right? So just one of those, like one of those awesome sleeps, you know what I mean? And, and I'm just having this awesome Deep, deep, dream-filled sleep, and, and as I'm sleeping and dreaming, I, I feel myself being kind of yanked out of this dream and pulled out of this sleep by, by the sound and the shaking of my wife, you know, shaking me awake, saying, Trevor, Trevor, wake up! And, and, and I'm deep asleep, so it's kind of like taking me a little bit, but she's shaking me awake, and she says, Trevor, wake up! There's somebody in the house! Now, that'll wake you up. Right? And, and so, 
So as I'm hearing, like, there's somebody in the house, there's a little bit of a, like, adrenaline starting to spike, you know what I mean? Like, oh, man. And I, and I remember, like, thinking in the back of my head, like, oh, this is it, right? Like, like it's go time, you know? Like, this is, this is, this is it. This is time for me to, to stand up and to stand in front of the gun, to jump on the grenade, to fight and die like a man is supposed to, right? Like, this is it. This is my moment. You know, this is a moment I've been born for, so to speak. And so, uh, and so I'm like, like, got that in my head, and she's shaking me awake. And, and as she's shaking me awake, Trevor, wake up. She, like, the, the warning changes. And I realize there's something wrong here because she goes from saying, Trevor, wake up, there's somebody in the house, to going, Trevor, wake up, there's someone in the room. <laughs> now all the courage I had was gone. <laughs> Right, because that's a scary thought, man. Like, there's someone, like, if, if there was someone in the house, like, I got a second, you know what I mean? Like, I can, I can get ready, I can do this, you know? But if there's someone in the room, like, it's too late, you know? Like, they caught me with my pants down, literally, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is embarrassing. This is not the way I want to die, God, you know? And so, and so, like, I'm starting to get, like, what? Like, like, like fear, you know? And that's not what you want to feel, but, like, like, man, this is scary. She's like, Trevor, there's someone in the house. And so I, I, I wake up and I get up. And, and as I get up, I realize something is really wrong. Something's off here. And she's like freaking out and she's shaking me awake. And, and she's saying, Trevor, get up. There's someone in the room. And so I get up and I, I look and I see my wife and she's sitting up and she's talking to someone in the room. And I'm like, what is going on? And, 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 and what's What's crazy about it is it wasn't a stranger. She knew their name. It was somebody we knew. I don't remember who it was at this point. It was years ago, but it was somebody we knew, you know? And so, and so I'm like, what is it? But then, and, and I look around. She's like, Trevor, tell him to get out. Tell him to get out of our room. And I'm looking around, but church, there's nobody there. And now, so I'm confused. So I went from like adrenaline like ready to go, fear, to now I'm like, what? And she's like, Trevor, wake up. And she's like, come on, get him. Tell him to leave. Tell him to get out of her room. And I'm looking, I'm like, Lauren, there's no one here. And she gets upset with me because I'm not moving as fast as she wants me to move. I'm not doing anything. And she's like, yes, they are. Trevor, they're right there. Get up. Tell them to leave. And I'm like, Lauren, there's no one here. And she's like, yes, they are. They're right there. And I'm like, there's nothing there, you know? And so we start going back and forth like this, and we start yelling at each other. We're, start, we're getting, like, she's getting mad at me, and I'm mad at her for being mad at me, you know what I mean? And, and so, like, we're, like, yelling at each other, and all of a sudden, as we're, like, getting mad at each other, I'm just like, Psh, wake me up to yell at me, and you're crazy, woman, you know what I mean? Like, what's wrong with you? And as, I, as I'm, we're going back and forth, all of a sudden, there's, like, this light bulb that goes off in my head, Right? And I realize as we're like yelling at each other and arguing, I realize she's dead asleep. Like she's sitting up, she's talking, her eyes are open, but nobody's home. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got permission to say this. <laughs> Some of you are all like, we got to pray for Pastor Trevor. <laughs> she cleared it. Yeah, you still need it. She cleared it. She cleared it. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I, I'm like, realize, dude, she's, she's asleep. So, so I start to kind of like shake her awake. I'm like, Lauren, you're sleeping, right? You're sleeping, wake up. And she kind of like shakes out of it. And she's like, huh? Oh, I'm like, you're sleeping. She's like, oh, okay. And then she just lays down and goes back to sleep. 
I'm like, dude, what just happened? You know, like that was intense. And I got to tell you, that is something that happens in my house now. <laughs> Sometimes we have conversations with people that are not fully aware, <laughs> but that's okay. Like, like that's just uh, the reality of it. And, and, and I share that story with you uh, because, you know, we can be, you, we, you know, people can be up, they can be walking and talking and yet be asleep, right? Sometimes it's not always obvious, and there are many times, even today, where Lauren will be completely asleep and I have no idea. She's, she's, she's talking or walking or whatever it might be. Because church, we can be asleep and not even realize it. And I believe that that's a, important for us to understand because that's not only true in a physical way, but it's even more true in a spiritual way. That we can be totally and completely asleep. We can be totally just cut off from reality in a spiritual sense, and not even realize it. The church is full of sleepwalkers and sleep talkers. The Apostle Paul, he dealt with this specific situation, excuse me, in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. I want to read that with you today. He says in verse 1, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to uh, discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part and the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. And verse 13, but, any, but, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine. Bow your heads and let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we just... Thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to come before you and into your presence and to receive from your word and from your Holy Spirit. And I, I just, God, ask that you would give us ears to hear this morning and eyes to see. Jesus, I thank you for this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus many, many years ago. But I thank you that it still applies to us today. So Lord, help us in ourselves to wake up from our spiritual sleep. We thank you for it, Jesus, and we give you all the praise. Amen? Amen. Amen. So what I think is so interesting about this passage is that the Apostle Paul, he's writing here, and, and, and if, if you just like read what he's saying, right? If you, just, if you just hear what he's saying, you would think that he's writing to a bunch of lost people. Right? I mean, I mean he, here he is, and he's using these like, like hardcore, like he's making this list, and it's like of like pretty heavy stuff, you know? He's like, hey, listen, uh, you heathens, you know, stay away from all of this darkness, right? 
He's saying, man, stay away from sexual immorality. Stay away from impurity, right? Don't, don't worship idols. Don't be covetous. Stay away from darkness. And so when he's like saying all of these things and using these kind of verbiage, it's like, man, the people he's talking to, they need Jesus, you know? Like they, they need the truth. They need the gospel. And, and as you read that and you, and you listen to that, you think, man, these people have never heard you think these people, they don't know God. They don't know uh, the gift of God. But what's crazy about this is if you read this passage in its context, you understand that Paul is not talking to people who have never heard the truth. He's not talking to people who have never heard the gospel, but instead he's talking to the church. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, to the believers in Ephesus, and he's saying, this is crazy, this blows my mind. He's saying to these church people, hey, stay away from sexual morality. Hey, don't stay away from impurity. Don't go into the darkness. Don't worship false idols. What? Right, like, like he has to say that to church people. And you think, man, no, those are messed up people. No, no, yeah, they're messed up people. They're messed up church people. And that's who he's talking to here. And, and why? Why is he having to say this to people who have heard the truth? Why is he having to say this to people who have heard the gospel message of Jesus? Why? Well, he says it here in verse 14. He says, wake up. Why? Because they've begun to fall asleep to the truth of God. They've begun to fall asleep to the things of God. Their hearts have become cold to the gospel, and it's become warm to the culture. And he's saying, wake up. He's sounding the alarm and he's saying, you are in danger. Man, course correct, right? Change course, get back on course, wake up. And church, I gotta tell you, if, if the apostle Paul, if this can happen to the church in Ephesus, can I tell you, this can happen to our church. It can happen to us. Therefore, this isn't for some other church, although it is, but today it's for us. It's for you and it's for me, for us to hear the, sound, the sounding of the alarm from the Apostle Paul, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. Do not fall asleep to the things of God. If it could happen to them, it could happen to us. So here's the question. How do we know that we're asleep? How do, you, how do we know if we've fallen asleep? What, 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 you know, what happens? And, and I'm sure... We could talk a lot about all of those things, but I want to take a look at Matthew chapter 13 because I feel like in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives us this parable. And in this parable, there's three examples of people who have received the word, right? It's the parable of the sower, the seed and the sower. Three, he gives three examples of people who have heard the word where the seed has been sown, yet it has not yielded any fruit, so in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says this in verse three. He says, and he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who let him hear. So, 
So three things that I see in this, in this parable that Jesus gives us. The, the, the first one, and, and the way in which we fall asleep. So church, I want you, I want you to listen to this because this, this is us, all right? This could be us. All right, three different ways that people fall asleep. The first one is deception. We, th- we, we have a tendency to fall asleep through this place of deception, right? In this parable, in verse four, he says, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. So, so Jesus is saying, hey, some of these seeds fell and the enemy came very quickly and gobbled up that seed. The enemy came and stole that seed away. But we, we have to understand, how does the enemy operate? How does Satan operate? He very rarely shows up in red with horns and a tail saying, I'm going to steal what God gave you. Right? Because chances are pretty good we wouldn't be like, okay, here you go, buddy. You know? Like, no, we're not going to do that. So he doesn't just show up. What he does instead is he sneaks his way in. We have to understand that the devil is sneaky. And when he comes to steal, he comes not uh, when you're up and you're out and you're ready for him. He waits until your guard's down. He waits until you've fallen asleep. He comes and then he sneaks into your life when you least expect it. And so he comes with this deceptive kind of nature. It's a trap. He wants to trick you, all right? That, so we don't realize it. That's the whole point. If you knew you were being deceived, then you're not really being deceived, are you? Right. Yeah. We're deceived, meaning we don't know. It's a surprise. It's happening without our knowledge. So this happens. We fall asleep, right? Like, and we don't even realize it. My, uh, my oldest son, Samuel, he's like that. Right? He, 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 when it's time to go to bed, it's a process. He can't just fall asleep. He, he, he's got a process. He's, he, the kid's got a lot on his mind, you know? It, it's, it's a process. And, and he's like his mom in that way. My, my younger son, Luke, he's like me. There ain't a lot going on up here. We're just going to sleep, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, we got nothing to think about. <laughs> and, and so we, we, just hit, we just hit, when we're, our head hits the pillow, we're out. Right? And, 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 and Luke, I'm always impressed because Luke can fall asleep just about anywhere. Right? Like, it doesn't really matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what's happening. The lights are on. The, there can be a lot of people at the house, noise, whatever. If he's tired, he's, man, he's going out. Like, he just falls asleep. I mean, he can fall asleep doing just about anything. In fact, he can fall asleep sometimes when he's doing some really important things. Right? He's out. I was looking everywhere for him. I'm like, where did that kid go? <laughs> He's just taking a nap, man. Hey, man, when you're tired, you're tired. <laughs> oh, he was there for a long time. <laughs> he could just sleep. But you know, for you and I, when it comes like, to falling asleep spiritually, it doesn't usually look like that. Right? It doesn't just usually just come, oh, I'm asleep now. Right? It's, it's a process that happens. It's like this, this slow fade. It's this lulling to sleep that happens. As we, as we are grow t- more and more weary, as we grow more and more tired, our, our eyes get heavier and heavier. Has this ever happened to you? This happens to me all the time. I'll be laying in bed and I'll be reading a book, right? And I'll be sitting there reading and I don't even realize how tired I am, but I'm getting more and more tired. And I'm sitting there reading and all of a sudden, boom, right in my head. You know what I mean? And I fall asleep, and I'm just like, whoa, what happened? It's really, it's really a bummer when I'm reading a digital book on my iPad, and it's like, smack. <laughs> I don't want to wake now, you know? 
But that would be my prayer for us today, church, is that we'd be smacked in the face awake because we're starting to fall asleep. We're being lulled. Now listen, it's not obvious. We're walking, we're talking, we're up and about, we're looking alive, we're looking good. But in our hearts, there's a, there's a deception that's starting to take root. And we're slowly, slowly pulling us to sleep. And Genesis chapter 3 is a beautiful biblical example of this. Genesis chapter 3 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. You hear that? He's crafty. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she gave some uh, to her husband who was with her and he ate it also. You see what, you see what's happening here, church? So, so what we have in Genesis is we have this beautiful picture of God. The, the, the creator God, and we have all of creation coming into existence. And, and as, as we see this unfolding, we see the nature of God as well alongside of it. And, and so what do we see about God? What do we learn about God? God, God takes this beauty of creation, all that is good, and he takes uh, the man and the woman, and he puts them in the midst of the garden, and he says, this is for you. This is yours. You can have all of it. Take your fill. Go and have fun. Eat until you're, you can't eat anymore, right? You can have all of this. Go and explore. And, and, and man, just, just do your thing. This is for you. And so we see this picture of a God who is generous and loving, right? But here comes the enemy. And he comes in and he begins to place this question in Eve's heart. And did you see, did you catch it? Did you catch what he did? He didn't go, come up and say, God's no good. He didn't say that. That would be obvious. He'd be like, eh, you're crazy, right? No, he didn't do that. What he did instead is he just asked a simple question. He asked a question that he knew was wrong. He said, did God really say you can't have any of this? Do you see what he's doing there? He's planting the seed of questioning God's character, right? Right off the bat. God said you can't have any of this. Now, he knows and Eve knows that's not true, but it starts the work. It starts that slow fade. It starts the process of there being a question. All I've known about God up to this point is that he is generous and he is loving. And, and here comes the serpent and he goes, God is not generous and loving. That's what he's saying, but he's saying it in a really sneaky way. He's saying, man, did God really say you can't have any of this? And she goes, no, God didn't say that. Psst. Of course we can. He said that we couldn't have of that one tree in the midst of the garden. Everything else, we're good, man. And he goes, what? God said you can't have of that tree? That's the best tree. That's the best one. Oh, man, how, how could God, man, how could God keep you from the best tree? What kind of loving, generous God would say no to the very best one? You know what? He doesn't want you to be like him. You know what? He, he, he's holding out on you. You know what? He doesn't, he doesn't really want what's best for you. He doesn't really want you to experience all that is good. Man he's, just, man, he's just trying to put rules and restrictions. He's just trying to keep you from something. God doesn't love you. God isn't generous. 
Look at the tree. And she looks at it, right? He says, look at the tree. Doesn't it look good? Why would he say no to something that looks so good? It looks good to eat. It looks good for wisdom. What kind of loving God would hold that back from you? And so there's this lie that takes root in Eve's heart and says, man, it's this place of deception. It's this, it's this place of questioning God's character. Maybe, is God really good? Does God really love me? Does God, if, if God really loved me, why would he keep this from me? If God really loved me, then why would this be happening? If God really cared about me, then why would I be going through this? And we begin to question the goodness of God. We begin to question the character of God. And church, can I tell you something? The culture is doing to us today exactly what the serpent did to Eve. They're going to us, they're looking at us saying, did God really say you can't do that? What kind of God would say that? Did God really, and, and, we, and we get, and I see this happening with so many people I love and care about. There's this slow deception taking root. And they begin to focus on these little things. These, they begin to focus on these things. And the culture says, man, what kind of loving God would say that, that you can't do that? Really? Did God really say, man, did God really say homosexuality is a sin? Really? Man, that's really hard. Why? Why? What's the big deal? What's it hurting? It's just love, right? It's just the expression of love. What kind of God would say no to that? Man, that seems so hateful. That seems so bigoted. Did God really say that? And then we go, well, I don't know. Did he? Why would he? And we're going to question it. Man, did God really say that he made them male and female and that's what he made them? Man, did God really say that that's what you are? Man, what kind of God just puts you in a box like that? Be who you want to be. Do what you want to do. What kind of loving, generous God would say no to you? Right? Man, did God really say you can't have sex before marriage? Come on, man. Like, how do you even know you're compatible? What's the big deal? God's just trying to keep you from something that feels good and looks good and is good. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. He's holding out on you. He's afraid you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. And so what we do is we taste of the fruit and we say, you know what? Yeah, who is he to say what's right and wrong? I know what's right and wrong. I know what's right for me. I know what's wrong. I know what's okay. And we become the judges of our own morality. How convenient. But church, can I tell you something? You and I, we are not qualified to judge morality. There is only one person who can say what is right and what is wrong. It's not the government. It's not the culture. Dear Lord, it's not Hollywood. It's not the school. It's not even the church. It is God, the Almighty, the creator of all things. He is the one who says what's right and wrong. Listen, I don't always like it, and I don't have to. I just have to say yes, Lord. Because he's God, not me. Thank God. He's the one, he, it, listen, listen, if it, made, if it all made sense, if you could figure it out, if you understood God, he wouldn't be God. Amen. All right? So listen, you're not always, it's not always going to make sense to you and me. We're not always going to understand it because we're not God. And so therefore we can't. Who can know the mind of God? You? Me? That's hilarious. I'm dust, man. I rem I, 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 every time I look in the mirror, I'm reminded, dude, you are dust, bro. <laughs> like, you missed it again. So, 
But this is what's happening. We get into this place where we're, we begin to question the goodness of God. We begin to question the character of God. And we begin to fall asleep to the things of God. Second Timothy chapter 4 says this, For the time is coming, it's, I think it's here, when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. We just want people to tell us what, what we want to hear. And if you're not telling me what I want to hear, if you're not telling me what feels good or what, feels, what, what, what seems right in my own heart or my own mind because I'm my own God, then I'll go find someone who will say, no, no, you're God, you can make your own choice. But church, that's not the way it really is. And so what's happening here, come on, Cheryl, let's go. <laughs> Thank you, come on, yes. You know, making me nervous like you're falling asleep or something. So, so the first thing I see here is the enemy comes to steal the seed. The enemy comes to steal the truth. The enemy comes to steal the word of God, but he doesn't do it while we're awake. He does it as we're on our guard is down. He comes and he sneaks in and we slowly begin to fall asleep to the things, the truth of God. The second thing here is rootlessness. In verses five and six, it says, other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up right? Like, that's kind of cool. I planted it, and it grew, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Church, this is something I've seen a lot, just like, like since I've known Jesus and following Christ and being a Christian. I've seen this a lot with other people in the church who, man, they have this experience with God, right? Like, you have this like your camp moment, you know what I mean? Or, or you know, you, you go to a conference or a, you know, a men's conference or a women's conference or, 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 you, or just this awesome, you know, church service like the youth pastor got to preach that day and you just got saved, right? No, okay, that's a different church. Um, <laughs> but, right, like, like you have this moment where, like, just God becomes real in that moment and you just feel the manifested glory of Jesus and you're like, yes, this is it. Right, and like in that moment, you're like, I'm, I'm in, man. I'm all in. Like this Jesus stuff is legit. I'm, I'm going for it. And you have that moment and that experience with God, and it just kind of, man, becomes real to you. But here's the, here's the thing, church. Experiences, praise God for the experience, but the experiences come and they go. We can't, we can't base our relationship with Jesus on just an experience. Now, praise God for the experience. I love to experience cool stuff, you know? Like, I want that. But you and I both know that experiences come and go. They don't last forever. But many people, man, they, they spring up quickly because of an experience. They grow quickly because of an experience. But there's no opportunity for the roots to go deep into the soil of his word and his love. And so what happens there's no foundation. I've got this experience, but I don't know why. Right? I've got this moment where I felt something, but today I'm feeling something different. It's Monday morning, man. Like, it ain't feeling so good. The experiences, they come and they go. And church, we have to understand that our relationship with Jesus should not be based on experiences. But we failed this. We failed in the church of the American church, man, we failed our, our youth in this area for sure. Because we've raised up a generation of youth people, uh, of young people saying, hey, man, just have this experience with Jesus. And if you just have this moment, if you just have your like crying at the altar moment with Jesus, man, that's it. And now you just keep seeking that moment. 
You just keep pursuing that moment. It's just that, that, the next high, you know? Like, like, just keep going for that. And, and what happens is they're seeking Jesus, but their relationship with Jesus is all based on their experience. It's based on their feelings and their emotions. And I ain't knocking it, but I'm just saying, if that's all the foundation you got, your soil is not very deep. And so what happens is they go to college, and their professor, because their roots haven't gone down into the foundation of the truth of the word of God, their professor challenges their faith and they've got nothing to stand on. And so it's all out the window. And it happens to us too. Listen, church, God, God, God loves to give us great experiences, but our roots have to go deep into the soil of the word of God. That's exactly what happened to the church in Ephesus. In Acts chapter 19, they got the gospel. And boy, can I tell you, when, when, when they got the gospel, they, man, they rocked it. They were all in. Like, it was awesome. It makes me jealous, you know what I mean? Because, because when they got the gospel, they were so passionate about Jesus, they got all of their pagan worship books, and they just burned them. <laughs> they had this big party, man, this big bonfire. We're like, we're burning all of this junk. Man, they, they were so passionate about Jesus that, man, the idol workers, the, the people who, who made idols to worship, they were out of business. Amen. They couldn't make a living anymore because nobody was buying their false gods. Yeah. Can I, could you imagine if we grabbed a hold of Jesus so much that businesses had to shut their doors because nobody wanted to pay for the sin anymore? Yeah. Could you imagine? Like, that's, revived, that's what was happening in Ephesus, man. That was awesome. Like, they were like, what is happening? The entire economy was affected by it. Now, 15 to, 10 to 15 years later, the Apostle Paul's writing to that same church that sprouted up real quick, that was real fiery, that was real excited, and he's saying, hey, guys, you should probably stay away from sexual morality. Hey, guys, you should, you should probably not uh, participate in uh, idolatry and the worship of false gods. Hey, hey guys, you, shouldn't, you, you need to stay away from the... What happened? That's the same church. Just 10 or 15 years later, Apostle Paul's saying, guys, man, you started strong, and that's awesome, and I'm proud of you, but wake up. Yeah. Your roots got to take hold because that sun's coming, and it's burning hot. And if you have no foundation to, 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 to stand on, man, it will kill you. So church, we've got to let our roots go deep. We've got to do the work of letting our roots go deep. That means I'm pursuing Jesus even when I ain't feeling it. You know what I'm saying? That means I'm, I'm pursuing Jesus even when I don't have an experience. Man, I'm pursuing Jesus. not because Why? Because it's the truth. That's it. Amen. All right? I, 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 that's it. And so I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to go for every, I'm going to, like, that's what we do in marriage, right? Like, I'm not just going to be married to you when you're nice to me, <laughs> right? Like, I'm not, I'm not just, not just that I'm going to pursue you with love when things are well and I'm feeling it. No, I'm going to pursue you when I hate feeling it. That's the most important time. I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to let my roots go deep. I'm going to build the foundation because the sun's going to come out and it's going to be hot and it's going to be, it's going to be hard. And if I don't have that foundation, it will be destroyed. Same is true with our relationship with Jesus. The last point, worship team, if you guys want to come back up, we'll close with this. The last thing I see here, uh, I like to call it the rear naked choke of the world. Because he says in verse 7, he says, other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. 
And so Jesus is saying, okay, so some, some seeds, they, they, they were planted, but then, but then there was these thorns that came out and began to strangle that seed, began to choke it out. You see, this happens a lot to us today because what happens is we get so consumed with life. You see, we, we forget that this life ain't about this life. It's about the next life. But we forget that. We think this life's all about this life. And so we get so focused on this life and, and, and this life becomes, man, it comes fast and it comes hard and it becomes, there's so much and there's so much to do and there's so much to experience and there's so much responsibility that we carry on our shoulders and we think, well, man, the, I got to pay the bills and man, I got I to gotta work at my job and I got to take care of the, the kids and I got to, uh, you know, pay, I got to uh, go to this thing and we want to be a part of that thing and we got, you know, we got sports and we got family and we got friends and we got all of these things and the reality of it is it's become so much that it be, these things begin to come in and they begin to just they begin to choke the life of Jesus out of us. These things are all bad things. But when they become so much, it becomes so much that it begins to just cut off the airflow. You know, Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 6. He says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Jesus is saying, listen, I know what you need. I've got this. Trust me. Seek me first. Look to me. I am the one who can satisfy you. I am the one who can fulfill you. I'm it. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end, the creator of all things. I am God. I am Jesus, your savior, your rescuer. I am the one. And so is life full of awesome stuff? Yes. But awesome stuff ain't so awesome when it becomes the choke of our relationship with Jesus. And we go running from this thing to that thing, have to do this, have to do this, all these responsibilities, all of this weight I've got to carry. You're not supposed to carry it. He died on that cross so you wouldn't have to. Lay it down. Who are you trying to impress? Him? You missed it. You ain't going to impress him. Stop. And so all these things, they come in and they just begin to squeeze the oxygen out of us. And, and the next thing you know, it's like, man, I haven't been to church in a minute. Why? I'm too busy. Man, don't say you're too busy to go. Please, if, if you're talking to me or Pastor Mark, you haven't been to church, we love you. We want you to come. Lie to us. <laughs> you know, you're already not coming to church. Just lie. I mean, come on. Don't tell me you're too busy. If you're too busy to come to church, man, you are too busy. And then we have this really awkward like moment where we're like, bro, you're, you're too busy. And you're like, who are you? To th-? You're like, come on, man. Right? Don't. If you're too busy, you're too busy. Just wake up. All right, fine. If you're in a coma, we'll give you a day off. And listen, but listen, it's not, it's not just about this building, right? It's not about church. We get so like consumed with the stuff of life. When was when was the last time you, you read your Bible? And listen, I'm not saying when, like when was the last time you read your Bible so you could check it off your Christian checklist that I read my chapter to keep the devil away today. You know what I mean? Like no, that's not like when was the last time you sat before the Lord and you got into His Word and say, God, speak to me today. I need a word from you. I want to hear you say something to me. 
And when was the last time, man, you put on worship music and there was nobody else around and you started just dancing and singing to Jesus because you love him, not because you're trying to impress anybody at church? When was the last time you were just like, man, I want to get into the presence of God. I need to come before him in prayer. You see, oftentimes all of these things, they begin to choke out the life. These are the things, man, that's the, that's the blood flow right there. Those are, that's the thing that keeps us alive. And those other things, man, they begin to choke it out. And can I tell you, when life begins to choke, when you're, when you're caught in the rear naked choke of life, you know, what, you know how you get out of it? You tap out. You tap out before you pass out. Somebody got you in the choke, man, tap out. Say, God, I'm done with the rat race. I'm done trying to carry it on my own. I'm done trying to figure it all out. I'm done carrying this burden. I'm tapping out. Jesus, I'm looking to you. It's all you. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. Hallelujah, Lord. Dearly, Father, we come before you right now in Jesus' name, and we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the sounding of the alarm. And we recognize, God, that we are, God, vulnerable to falling asleep. It's in our nature. And so we ask, Holy Spirit of God, that you would come and begin to wake us out of our slumber today. Jesus, whatever it might be, whether we're beginning to be deceived and we're questioning your character, let the truth of God penetrate our heart and reveal the lie for what it is. Lord, if we, uh, God, have neglected to let our roots go deep into you and we're just seeking some sort of experience or emotion with you. Lord, we repent and we ask God, help us to put in the work. Lord, help us to to want to let our roots go deep so we can have a, a solid foundation where we would know why we believe what we believe. Lord, we ask God, that you would give us the strength and the courage that as the the, the cares of this world begin to choke us out, that, Lord, we would tap out and say, Jesus, it's you. It's not about what I can do. Lord, I'm going to seek your kingdom today. Lord, let that be our desire. Let that be our heart. Wake us up, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, would you stand to your feet with me? and Let's just worship him one last time as we go. The altar is open. Listen, if you would like prayer, I'd love to pray with you. Uh, I hope I didn't make anybody feel bad. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just excited. This is what Jesus has been telling me. But I would love to pray with you. I'd love to encourage you. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship him together.
Lord. Father, we thank you for it. Lord, we thank you for your word that says that he who started a work will finish it. That's talking about you, not me. Lord, we thank you that you will finish that work. So, Lord, we ask right now that you would do what only you can do in each one of our hearts and lives. That we would be a church that is awake and alive. Convict us of our slumber and shake us out of our apathy today. We thank you for it and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, we love you so much. The altar's open. You don't have to feel rushed to get out, stay, worship, pray. We would love to do that with you. Uh, one quick announcement. Our young adults life group uh, has been canceled. The leaders came down with uh, some sickness, and so they, they're going to cancel that. God bless you all. Have a wonderful weekend. We love you so very much, and we'll see you next week.